I'm here today with an interview with Jennifer Zhang. Um, she is a correspondent from Asia, and I've followed her a good bit in terms of what's been going on over the past couple of months in terms of the uh, coronavirus and and some of her insights about what's going on in, in Asia and specifically in China. So, Jennifer, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your background. Um, what is it exactly that you do? Are, are you a correspondent for a, a media outlet, or, or what is it that you specifically do to kind of draw the, the background that you, that you draw from? producer for a TV station called Newtown Dynast TV. Uh, and I also run my own blog, my own website, my Twitter and social media account. Uh, so I have lived in China for 35 years and uh, I was once a policy research consultant and researcher for the State Council of the People's Republic of China. I mean, it's it's amazing some of the some of the information that you've been able to draw out, especially with you know the crackdown in terms of the the sharing of information within China. I know there have been a lot of um, regulations passed where they they basically have shut down people from being able to get information out of China about what's actually going on. Knocking on your door and talking to you and ask 
asking you to remove whatever they think is inappropriate. So it is very, very hard for the outside world to get some kind of true information of what really happened uh, in, China, in China now. And, and also not only that, I think yesterday I shared a document, internal document. Now they are issuing instructions. They employ so many so-called uh, internet commentators to, you know, try to uh, influence the public opinion or create a false public opinion on the internet. They have the instructions, they give you the official narrative of mm -hmm. how to portray a thing. So from, I think, very recently, they start to uh, try to convince the public and uh, convey the message, the virus actually was brought into China, into Wuhan by U.S. Army. So it was a, a bioweapon, uh, you know, used against Chinese. Chinese people and created by the U.S. you know army. So, uh, so, so they try to create you know disinformation and chaos on the internet world. So that to divert divert people's attention to avoid people from trying to really find out what's going on, and so people would not have time to blame them for their responsibility in this huge disaster. So basically, the the idea is um, for if China blames the U.S., then they they feel that people won't be looking at the Chinese Communist Party as having responsibility for what happened. Is that the idea? Yes, that is gotcha. one of the ideas. Another idea is you know China or the Chinese Communist Party always needs some kind of enemy to unite. Uh, the nation to unite people so under this banner that now we have to find this common enemy of the Chinese nation so everyone has to support uh, the Communist Party everyone has to you know, uh, unite around us so we fight back so we defeat them otherwise then we will be conquered you know maybe colonized mm. by the US by the West so they terrify the public and they need this kind of sensation and to as a banner to hold people together. And uh, sadly, it seems uh, I've seen reports recently of kind of that same attitude going the other way, where um, Fox commentators have been kind of uh, basically saying that this is, you know, the Wuhan virus, where it's it's purposely released to you know, attack the U.S., so it, it works in both directions to try to stoke that kind of fear in both populations. Mm -hmm. What, um, you know, I, I, I listen to Bloomberg 24-7, and I have great respect for their reporting, but, you know, the standard reporting that you have in terms of coming out of China is that, you know, the virus has been beaten, and I, I think there were, like, Eight, eight new cases uh, overnight, so it's, you know, that um, they've been able to overcome it, um, but is that the reality in terms of the spread of the virus? Because that seems to run counter to kind of some of the behavior. I mean, if people are going back to work now in China, and I've seen reports of 
people getting sick when they're going back to work and then spreading it to other people, the two things don't add up to me. Yes, I think from the very beginning, the Chinese Communist Party has been trying to cover up the fact. If they had not uh, covered it up, the situation wouldn't be what it is today now. So their habit, I think, actually, uh, as early as 2003 and four, when the SARS outbreak uh, was going on. So later on, they had a very uh, simple policy to suppress this uh, so-called uh, virus, is to suppress the number. So any place, if there is new case in any place, that official or that party leader of that area would be demoted or removed from mm. their position. So in order to hold... Uh, to get hold onto their power, they just stopped reporting any cases. However, you know, many people died, they don't care that much, but uh, because there's no reporting cases, so they they were their position in the party or in the office was safe. So that's how you eliminate the numbers, but not necessarily eliminate the virus or the diseases. I think right now they are kind of adopt the same kind of policy. So they had put very great pressure to local uh, government to make sure you don't have any new cases. So in that case, in this case, even if they do have new cases, they stop reporting, they cover up. We saw so many, uh, so much evidence of, you know, some internal um, uh, information we obtained from China. Uh, they ordered uh, de different departments to destroy record of these uh, patients and to destroy, you know, uh, internal, uh, in their own system system, any record of this disease so that you have no way to find out. And because all the media, all the channel, all the news, or information released in channel is under the control of the party, if they want to suppress the information, they can really do that. So I think, first of all, we cannot trust whatever number or whatever news they are releasing. And uh, secondly, uh, from, you know, with, uh, even though there's no overall, you know, statistic of how many people are getting sick or how many people are fall, or fallen into this coronavirus again, but from, you know, this scattered information we, or individual cases or numbers we obtain from there and there, and sometimes, sometimes we have videos videos of the, the other day I shared a videos of a PCL, I think in a electronic company, uh, some of the workers suddenly, you know, collapsed during yeah. his work. Yeah. So from those individual cases, you know, problems are still there and sometimes they, they have official report of one of our, their doctors, you know, died from overwork. One doctor worked for 39 days without any rest. And on the, on the, I think he worked till the midnight of Sunday, and the next morning he was found dead in his office. Mm. If you really all the new cases have disappeared, why your doctors were, you know, tired to death? They really, I think I saw at least one, two or three cases of doctors died of overwork. Mm. So can you trust 
their numbers. Yeah. And the lockdown, uh, I think, in many areas are still uh, going on. And only, I think, the other two days ago, I shared another lockdown notice from, it's called a Bay and city in Heilongjiang province that was very, very silent of miles away from Wuhan. So from those things, we know the case, the, the situation was still banned. Otherwise, they would not have issued a lockdown a notice on March the 11th. So, so we, we, we can only, I think, rely on the scattered and individual information to just guess what's still happening. And also from the outside world, we can see the spread like this, uh, the virus is spreading like mad. How would it behave so differently from inside China and outside China? That's impossible. So the only, I think, conclusion we can uh, draw is that China is uh, covering up this situation and their numbers. Yeah, definitely. One of the um, one of the uh, things I think you shared um, in terms of some of the reports that you had come across was the fact that crematoriums were running at an extraordinary rate, which would show that many more people than the numbers that were being released by the government were dying and having to be disposed of. Um, like, what is your take on on that? Is that still happening? Is that just standard um, operation at this point? We don't exactly know what's happening with that kind of situation yet. Once it was so, so badly, all the crematories were overwhelmed and they had to have some mobile uh, senator, you know, transported uh, into Wuhan. Forty, I think, such as such, such kinds of mobile, you know, uh, senator, which one, one particular one, I think, has, has a capacity to deal with five tons of, they call it rubbish and animal bodies. Uh, so five tons for each and 40 of them transporting to Wuhan. That's the number we knew uh, recently. And uh, only, I think, several days ago, there was an article interview uh, from the a Chinese, I think, media platform. They interviewed a doctor who mentioned that at, at one stage in their hospital, there were bodies were piled up and they couldn't get people to take them away because it was just overwhelmed. And many other Chinese platforms or social media tried to, you know, uh, recarry that article. But then there was an order from the Central Party Propaganda Department and all, every internet, you know, platform was deleting that article. So it was no longer uh, available in all platforms in China. So uh, I think uh, several days ago, I shared another video of, you know, there were some doctors going to Jilin province that was also very, very far away, northeast China, uh, to Wuhan to, uh, you know, support the local doctors. And uh, now they, they kind of uh, finished their task, they, they returned, but they, many of them are holding a box uh, that was, you know, of their colleagues' ashes.
patients who died during this one month of supporting Wuhan. So we get this, also these individual uh, cases, and uh, so we, we really uh, don't know the current situation, but we did uh, got many, I think, more than one report of different crematory, uh, either the employee complaining about they couldn't handle all this, and uh, or, or some kind of individual invest investigations or some kind of photos of bodies of you know um, held up either outside of the uh, hospital or either sometimes even some kind of satellite image of the specific kind of SO2 you know gas released from Wuhan so they did some kind of calculation and. Yeah. And, and I think that was quite early on, like from their calculation and the gas number, there there could have 16,000 bodies to produce uh, that level of the SO2 kind of, you know, specific uh, material or chemical yeah. in the air. Yeah. So many, many, you know, and you see, you see the situation in Iran and Italy now, yeah. I think. And, and, and the Italy has, I think, much, much less population. And there, I think, cases per uh, a million people is five or six uh, times higher than that of China. How could that happen? Yeah. So, so from all this, you, you, if you try to put all these facts and figures together, you, you know the, the situation in China was very, very bad, and uh, how, how bad it is now, we have no idea, but I think it's always good to to have very, to take very cautious uh, view about what the real situation is. Gotcha. You know, one of the uh, one of the things that um, I know in terms of some of the information that you've you've posted are videos that people have have taken there, I guess, with their phones, where people have literally uh, officials, I guess, uh, with, from ambulances have come to houses and basically removed bodies from apartments, and I would assume that. Like those people would never be counted in statistics anyway because they're not showing up in the hospital to to be tested. Um, is that accurate? Yes, I think the very I think a very important aspect of why uh, the situation went out of control in China was in a very initial state. I think in early um, January uh, when. Uh, doctors already found that there was a problem, and later on, as the mayor of Wuhan City, he personally admitted in a TV interview that the local government actually reported this issue. There could be a pandemic to the central CDC, but they had a policy for this kind of severe pandemic only the central CDC had. Uh, the power or the right to release the information as a local government they dared not to release the information so doctors hospitals nurses didn't know this is a uh, infectious 
diseases. So they are still opening, but because there are so many people already have symptoms, so they all rushed to the hospital to seek a treatment. So we see videos in the very early stage, in maybe general, uh, the first part of general, hospitals overcrowded, thousands of thousands, you know, uh, packed into all the corridors of the hospital. They, I think, cross-infect them, themselves and they couldn't uh, get into a bed into the hospital. The hospital was overwhelmed. And the other day, I think, the Chinese official themselves admitted uh, more than actually 3,000 medical already infected before yeah. the public the public they admitted this is a human to human epidemic and so because of the hospital could not really handle so many issues some people they found they had problems but they couldn't get a bed in the hospital but they didn't want to go back to the family to infect the, their family so they killed themselves so many people, according to, uh, I think, a terrible interview with a worker of a certain crematory, she said uh, in, in the terrible interview that 6% of the bodies they burned were not uh, counted as or regarded as, or even not diagnosed. They died from home. They were not, you know, taken from the hospital. They didn't have any chance to be diagnosed before they died. Mm -hmm. So that's 60%. They were not in that official number at all. And, uh, and uh, also another uh, very critical issue is uh, the, the CDC, the China Central CDC, control the method of testing, and they only gave out 200 testing kits mm. uh, to Wuhan City per day. So if you uh, are not tested to so that particular, you know, R, uh, what nucleic, whatever acid method uh, to test the virus, if you get, uh, if you, you need to have the testing kit to do the test. And if you don't do that test, even if you die, you are still not counted yeah. as having infected. So all these things put together, the real number really didn't have any idea. It's not that they have controlled the disease, they only control the testing kit and also the, the criteria of how, you know, you you're qualified as having have been infected. They changed the criteria, I think, for eight days within some 15 days or something. There were a lot of confusing. And as a result, many people died without even having a chance to see a doctor or be diagnosed. Yeah. What's, and what's interesting or what's scary about that that story, the fact that people were denied the ability to be tested, that local officials were not allowed to release the information that there were cases, is that's exactly what's happening in the United States now with kind of the government policy in terms of not producing the required tests and having uh, control, you know, centralized with the CDC instead of being able to allow local health agencies to be able to evaluate people and to deal with the situation right away. Yeah, I think this, because this is fairly new and uh, from 
view of the authorities, they sometimes, especially I think for the Chinese Communist Party, they didn't have the legitimacy to rule. So they consider the so-called stability of the society much, I think, at the much higher priority than people's lives. And right now, I think the economy situation for them is also much important, much more important than people's lives. That's why they force people back to work and create more cluster infections. We learn cases of there and and, and here and there about, you know, one worker went back to work, he got uh, maybe thousands of his colleagues uh, got infected. There were many cases like this. So, you know, the party, they, they consider the power much more important. And uh, there was a rumor even, I don't know whether it's correct or not, but there was a rumor that Xi Jinping once said, if we uh, couldn't, you know, get the economy going, the party is doomed, and then maybe 10 million party members would die. If they couldn't, if they go uh, force people back to work and get the second outbreak, outbreak then we could lose 10 million ordinary Chinese people. So between 10 million ordinary Chinese people and 10 million party members, what do we choose? Mm. So that's there. Uh, maybe it's a rumor, but I think uh, some 30 years ago when a Tiananmen massacre happened, that was exactly the logic of the then Chinese Communist leader Deng Xiaoping. He said, even if we need to kill 2,000 uh, 200,000 people to in exchange for another 20 years of stability, we would go with it. That's why he ordered the army, the tanks, to roll into Tiananmen Square to kill students. So uh, if killing 200,000 can uh, extend their power for another 20 years, they would do it. I mean, that's kind of the classic uh, reactionary approach to any sort of political change that comes to face them. Yeah, so that's, that's the reality, I think, of we, we are facing with this huge, you know, population, and China now is the second largest economy in the world, and uh, the connections with so many uh, countries, and I think Europe is now having a very a big problem with this virus issue, because their government, I think, were reluctant, including South Korea, to, you know, upset the party to close the border on an early stage. And so they allow, you know, the, the exchange of people going on and allow the virus to spread into their country. So that's also, I think, a lesson we really should learn. I think uh, there's a editorial article, editorial article of the Epoch Times, in case the point is, you know, uh, if you get too close to the Communist Party, I think that really this this trend is very, I think, obvious now. Whichever uh, country or regime is closer to the party, the several the problem of this pandemic is now in that country. It's very obvious the trend. Hmm. What? They're trying. If they're trying to get the economy started again, is it working? I mean, is China back to work the way that it was, or is it, you know, at what level of operation is the economy back to 
some say 30 percent. Uh, 30 percent. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. So, with if people are going back to factories, and obviously the, a lot of people still have not been been tested, and it's still spreading, and new people are becoming infected, is this just a situation where they're going to assume that you know X number of people are going to basically be disposable to the workforce uh, over the next couple of years? Is that is that the philosophy? Yes, I think people are very worried about maybe a second or third 
cluster outbreak because yeah. of, you know, this forced to go back to work. Yeah. And this thing may be dragged on for not, we don't know how many days. And Wednesday, the Chinese Communist Party adopted a policy just to, to isolate everybody, to quarantine everybody. So you just have to rely on yourself. If you uh, outbeat the virus, you, you tap it out, you, you survive, then you go back to work. If you die, you die without affecting, uh, infecting others. So I think that's at, at least, you know, when they locked down the whole nation, that's basically their policy. They didn't have, have the capacity actually to treat anybody who is ill. So you are locked down and you are on your own. If you die, you die. If you survive, you are lucky you go back to work. Mm. So I think, they, they, yeah, they, 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 they bottom line, all the, the, the thing for them to consider is they, they don't care how many people died. Some people even say, oh, they hope that uh, they, they, want, they can depopulate the nation because they, too, many, too many people or too much, especially elderly population has already become a huge burden to the public pension system. So if this virus is eradicated half of the population, so what? So, so that, I think, of course, they are having trying to find, I think, maybe it's a very difficult situation for them to deal with. They are facing with the dilemma. They are supply chain is broken, and many, uh, I think, overseas companies are moving out of China. But if they don't keep the economy running, they immediately lose the uh, immediacy to uh, stay in power. So they, I think they have to uh, keep the economy running no matter what. Mm. So the problem is how many more lives will we lose uh, because of this. So that's, yes, I think it's really a very tough situation at class, all the cover-ups and uh, suppression of the uh, real uh, information. And that is a very, I think, threat and a dangerous thing to the whole world, not only in China, yeah. because now the whole world is so, I think, uh, closely interconnected with each other. I heard that Americans don't have the capacity to produce enough masks and many of our medicines. If China stops producing it, yeah. we can't have it. So that's uh, uh, so many of those kind of problems. So I think this situation is really, really tough. And we really need to push harder for the Chinese regime to tell us the truth and not cover up this situation. So at one point, it was, um, I think it was like 880 million people were under quarantine. So that would, that basically is, is most of China. Is, yeah. is it the case where the virus is actually in all the different cities throughout China? Like yes, it's not I just, think... it's not just Wuhan, it's, it's actually in other cities as well. public the number of the coronavirus every day. So every day the number in Wuhan remained the same, 42 cases. But at that stage, some cases uh, still uh, already appeared in some other countries, in Hong Kong, 
uh, in Taiwan and some, some other, you know, uh, neighboring countries. And at that time, people joked, oh, this virus is so patriotic, they only affect, you know, foreigners. <laughs> they don't spread to any other part of China. Yeah. But soon, uh, they couldn't cover up it anymore. So within, I think, a very period of time, a very short period of time, all provinces, 30 provinces and big cities, uh, in all over China got uh, reported cases of of this virus. Before, if, if, you know, before they locked down Wuhan City on 23rd of January, mm -hmm. 5 million people already escaped from yeah. that city. Yeah. So we didn't have any idea where those 5 million Wuhan people uh, went. And uh, so I think now that your Europe, like, like Iran, the situation was, was so bad, uh, maybe some of the people went there. And also, I think another very seriously affected area is Wenzhou. That's why Italy is, has such a huge problem now, because Italy has some 300,000 people from Wenzhou. That was the second city uh, announced a lockdown. Uh, really? Wuhan. Yes. I didn't know that. So, yes. So I think the, the virus, uh, even according to Chinese official numbers, is already everywhere yeah. in China. The question is how many cases, maybe different provinces have different numbers, but it's already all over China. You know, one of the, um, one of the I guess, um, challenging lessons in terms of how China dealt with um, the situation in Wuhan was they found themselves, their medical system, overwhelmed. And so, from what I've read, they drew medical personnel from all of the other cities to try to get control over it. But in the end, that would seem, if the when the virus spread to the other cities, I would think that those other cities are really crippled by than not having enough medical personnel because a lot of, like you said, 3,000 of those medical personnel are now infected and, and how many were were lost in Wuhan anyway. Um, you know, that's a, that's a difficult situation when you're trying to control it, but it's like how do you still maintain the integrity of the medical system in, you know, the other parts of the country? Recently, I, I, I forgot when, maybe 10 or 15 days ago, already received an internal order. The situation in Beijing was already very bad, So they, but they didn't talk about it openly, but they issued an internal order. Doctors in Beijing are not going to go out to Wuhan anymore because they have to stay in Beijing. And I shared a video of a one man complaining that he tried to get his father into the hospital. He went to several of them, but many of them said now they only uh, uh, see a coronavirus patient. If you are not a coronavirus parent, you go away. So, so they are already preparing it. They are 
uh, because Beijing is a capital city, they have to, you know, maintain mm -hmm. uh, their, their medical staff to make sure that if anything, you know, happened, they have enough medical uh, staff there to, to maintain the situation. But yes, that's another, you know, big, big lies we found there. They sent, uh, I think, several dozens of thousands of doctors from all over the country to Wuhan, and then they claim they have so little cases. That's totally impossible. If you have so little cases, you only need dozens of thousands of doctors from all over the country yeah. to support. Yeah. I, um, uh, recently, there was, um, I forget where I read it or heard it, but that they had closed uh, some of the new hospitals. And what, what struck me is, well, if you're losing medical personnel at the rate that it seems that you're losing medical personnel at a certain point, you're not going to have the doctors to be able to man hospitals. Um, so obviously, you're going to have to close those hospitals. It's not as if the you really you're not getting more cases, it's just you don't have the medical personnel to, to staff that hospital. Yes, actually those so-called Fangtan Hospital, those temporary hospitals they established after they broke out, they are not really hospitals, they are just some temporary place to hold those patients. Mm. Uh, so, so I shared one video of a woman uh, complaining she had been there three days, but she never seen one single doctor or nurse wow. coming to them. She so they just you know put people together and thousands of them together. It's just a quarantine center without doctors, so it can't be called uh, hospital at all. Maybe after fourteen years, they figure out who uh, if you died, you've already been burned. If you survive, or maybe you 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 they announce you have been killed, uh, and then they, they they figure because now they need to create the overall situation of oh uh, now we've beaten the coronavirus, we can go back to work. So to cooperate uh, to you know with that kind of you know main of the propaganda work now, so we, we can close the hospital now. It's just send people go back to home, maybe to infect more people, or just to tap it out yourself. So those places are not hospitals in the first place. It's just some temporary place to hold those got infected because they, the hospital had been overwhelmed, nonsense. Gotcha. Um, if you... If a person catches the coronavirus and they survive, are they then immune going forward to the virus, or is there the ability for them to actually catch it again down the road? I think we've seen more than one cases of the so-called cured person being infected again or, fine or tested positive again. Yeah. So it's same this virus will not go away. Even if you think you have uh, been cured, the virus could be still in your body. And I think right now, because it's so new, we still don't know what will happen maybe several years uh, uh, later. But I think there were doctors and experts saying this will be going to stay with us maybe permanently. Yeah. 
So that's another very worrying thing. But right now, we don't know. But we do have individual cases of so-called cured persons being infected again or tested positive again. Gotcha. Um, you're currently on a on a uh, tour in the U.S. talking to talking to people about what you've what you've been able to uh, to observe. What kind of reaction have you had from from people in the United States? Oh uh, yes, I think uh, people. Uh, some people are very worried, and some people are not that worried about this virus uh, situation. But uh, they th- I think they were all very, uh, or most of them were all very angry about this Chinese Communist Party's cover up. And they say, oh, we really didn't know, and maybe they didn't care much about this before, but now they start to try to find out the true information, and some are very worried that it could be, you know, much uh, worse in the United States, uh, United States as well. Uh, so I think, uh, but there are many, still many people, I think, What would you, you're, you were a policy analyst with the, with the party before, what would you be your advice in terms of dealing with this? Like, what would you have done differently? I think 
think if you uh, really handle this situation well and you take take care of the public honestly, what's going on? Even if there are some difficulties, situations, people would understand. Everyone have you know if anyone in that position, uh, that kind of position, and uh, the situation is like this, everyone would have difficulties. People would understand you, but because um, you know the, it's. It's not in their DNA to respect to life and to respect the public. So they never feel obliged to feel to let the public know what's happening. They always, I think, there is a, a, a arrogance of their power. Even if you are expert, you tell them this, but they feel they have the power. They are above you. You are an expert. You have to listen to the party and let the party tell you what, as an expert, you should tell the public now to serve the public policy and direction. So, yeah, so if I think a norm, any normal government, if you are elected by the people, you are responsible to the people, so you consider people's lives first and how to handle this issue. But in communist China, it is totally another uh, story. So they mishandle the situation from the very beginning up to now. And that I think now the whole world is paying the price, very, very heavy price. Yeah, no doubt. No, that's um, that's valuable insight, I think, uh, especially in terms of... Because the, the challenge in terms of authoritarianism is just not a Chinese problem. I mean, obviously, it's a problem we're dealing with with the current administration, but it's also a worldwide problem. I mean, Brazil, um, other countries in Europe are dealing with, um, you know, those types of governments that are basically don't have any value of human life, um, it seems. You know, it, it's power and it's money and to hell with everything else. So. Yes, that's very sad. I think uh, so general public have to, you know, take this responsibility in our own hands and try to find out, out information and be self-educated and informed. And uh, when we can, we get pressure to our governments to... Yeah you know, to, to just protect the safety and health of the public. Yeah. Um, what, uh, if somebody wanted to uh, connect to you or learn more, um, I know you have a website. Um, how could they reach out to you? Yes, I have a website, one word, jenniferzengblog.com. Zeng is my surname, Z-E-N-G, jenniferzengblog.com. And I also have a Twitter account, so people can follow me on my Twitter. So my Twitter handle is Jennifer at NTD. It's A-T-N-T-D, Jennifer A-T-N-T-D. That's my Twitter account. And also you can go to my website. There's a contact page on my website. So if you, write to, you want to write to me, you want to talk to me, you can submit a letter from my website contact page of my website and uh, we can yeah we you can contact me through that way and I also have a Facebook page and you can search for my name Jennifer Jones blog on Facebook and you can like my Facebook and get to the update from my Facebook as well awesome well I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat today and uh, if you don't mind as 
obviously as things develop, maybe we can connect again in another month or two and and just kind of revisit things and see how things are going uh, globally. I think it's very valuable, and uh, I think people are, get a lot out of um, what you're able to share, uh, as I have over the past couple of months. It's been literally invaluable, so I, I appreciate all that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much.